Happy Easter! He is risen! <laughs> risen indeed! Oh yeah! What a great day to be alive and to enjoy the blessings of our Lord and Savior. We have just gotten done singing a fast rendition of Christ the Lord is Risen today, and we're all pumped up here in the house, aren't we? Now everybody's quiet. We were all just goofing off. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to continue on in our series from the book of John, and we're going to talk about what Christ has done in our hearts and our lives. And so if you've got your Bible, let's read from John chapter 4, and we're going to go to start in verse 10 and go through 26. Um, Blair, would you read that for us this morning? 10 through 26. 10 through 26. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? which gave us the well, and drank there of himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, Neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The, man, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that sayest thou truly? The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Two more. <laughs> the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come... He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Wow, what an awesome word. <laughs> uh, there's three things that I want to look at today. And, uh, um, it, and I'll go ahead and mention them now. Wow. The gift of God is number one. Number two is he knows me. And number three is he, Jesus, is Messiah. And so I just want to go through that real quick and what that means. Um, he's the gift of God. And uh, or, or 
And, and not only is he the gift of God, Jesus is who I'm talking about, is he the gift of God, but he gives a gift. And he talks about that in the very first part of, uh, of what we're talking about here when Jesus is talking with the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. And it is an amazing thing that he, as we talked about last time, he's talking, first of all, to a woman. woman. And secondly, that he's talking to a Samaritan. And sometimes we don't always understand what that exactly means. And so the area of Samaria was known as Israel in the Old Testament. And in the book of Jeremiah, there is this quite incredible and provocative verse, if you will. And, uh, and it says this in Jeremiah 3, chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Um, and so Jesus is talking, referencing kind of these things. And so it says, the Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, have you seen what she did? The faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every hill and under every green tree and there played the whore. And I thought after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. She saw that for all the adulteries and that faithless one, Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went to and played the whore. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, declares the Lord. Now, this is quite, uh, as I said before I even started reading it, this is quite a passage of scripture. Yet this is so amazingly embodied in the woman that we have right here. What did we just read that the woman, uh, when Jesus said, hey, go call your husband, what did she say? I do not I don't have, have a husband. And he says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You have five. Five. You've had five. And not only that, but the man that you're living with right now, the man you're sleeping with right now is not even your husband. What, what kind of representation would that be? Of somebody that is faithful? No. <laughs> somebody that she is. She likes men. <laughs> She's a player. She's a ladies man. She's a ladies man. But look at the fact that we have an individual that Jesus is talking she, about. In she the, knows what she wants when she wants it. Oh, when she wants it. But look at the, the, look at the transition between what I read from Jeremiah and what Jesus is having with this woman. It's almost exactly the same. You go wherever you want. You get whatever you want. And you get how you want it. In other words, you're an idolater and your adultery and your idolatry is absolutely unpleasant to the Lord. Oh, are you guys, I was standing up and now I've sat down. Everybody's like, oh good, he sat down. <laughs> but I mean, look at this. Yeah, I mean, these are the things that he says. I mean, he's, he's basically, uh, in Jeremiah, he, he does, he talks about these things that, that they are. The, 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 the nation of Israel, or Samaria, if you will, is a harlot, a slut, a whore, uh, she's a treacherous wife. She's a perverted. She's a whore. I mean, these are, uh, yeah, I said whore twice, didn't I? 
But this is the thing <laughs> that this is. She's a. But I mean, you know, you think about it. People read the Bible and they think it's so. They tone it down so much. But this is the way God speaks to us. He speaks to us in our vocabulary, in our vernacular. He talks to us of exactly who we are and exactly the place that we're in. And I mean, how many people do you and I know that are running here and there? I mean, we're in the we're in the third week of curfew here in Mahali. We have three more weeks to go, and that's just under the current uh, restrictions that we have. If we go outside, we'd be arrested. If we go outside in our car, our car will be impounded. And yet people are running all over the place to worship different gods or ask God, why would you do this? Why would this pandemic happen? And what's going on is, is we're perverting what God is really doing, and our reputation continues to precede us. We continue to live under this reputation, just like the Samaritan woman, of being a people that don't listen to the voice of God, but instead go and try and find truth that suits us and suits us only. You want what you want when you want it. You want what you want when you want it. Right. You can't always get what you want. <laughs> All right, thanks for quoting songs now. <laughs> but the thing is, is that that's exactly right. But this is what we do. We constantly find ourselves in the midst of sin and find ourselves being exposed for our sin. And we constantly forget of the gift that has been bestowed upon us. And what is that gift? Okay. Did you say me? Yes, Mallory did me. That, that was I'm the gift to the world. <laughs> but yes, Jesus is the gift. But not only that, but what does he promise to give the woman? He says, I will give you living water. 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 Holy water. No, not living holy water. water. Living water. And this is important. Now, I just want to go through a couple things. What is the importance of water? Why? Mallory's about to take a sip of water right now. What is the importance of water? Water? Water is... Well, our body is made up of some, like, majority of our body is water, and we need water to survive, because if you don't have water within two days, you'll die. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's different Three days. Yeah, variables are out there, 70, give or take 70% of our body is made up of water, yeah. and we get thirsty, hydrated. right? Yeah, we, and we need to be hydrated. We need to be hydrated, and, 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 um... Uh, you know, there was one friend of ours who was in the military and he told us that because of when we breathe, we have water vapors that go out. And so when we are actually thirsty, we're already dehydrated. Yeah. And so that that way to be completely hydrated, we should never get to the point of having thirst. Um, and, and so that's important. What else? What does water do for us? Clean, cleans. Yeah, yeah, it cleans. It's a natural cleanser. Absolutely, I have it knocks down pollution. Is no, the way I put it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does that. I well, mean, I, I was just saying, sometimes like if you don't have soap, sometimes they say water is better than not having anything at all. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And water nowadays is used for uh, hydroelectric uh, current, so it produces electricity. Most definitely produces a lot of our power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're about to have Basaki here in uh, Punjab, and what is Basaki? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, you were saying something? It's to clean our clothes. Water cleans our clothes. Water does clean our clothes, you're right. What is Basaki? Basaki is the celebration where they're harvesting the wheat and the barley here in Punjab. Oh, okay. And so how did that wheat and barley grow? Water. Water, water helped it grow. Um, what else? Anything else that water does? 
It helps your hair. It helps your hair. Yeah, helps you wash your body. It yeah. yeah. brings nutrients into the plants, and that's how plants grow. Mm-hmm. So I can't work on our ears. Why? Why what? Can't water work on us? It does. <laughs> you mean to help us grow bigger and bigger? Why are Too funny. So, so yeah. So these are things that are very important. Water is a you know, water is life, some people say, right? It is that important. And Jesus uses these words, though. He uses two words in sequence. He says, living water. And, and I was reflecting on that, and I had read, uh, been reading Jeremiah this week, and it reminded me of a couple of spots in the book of Jeremiah that I read. And I was like, holy smokes, uh, in the same spot where Jesus is talking about Israel being a whore, he also says this, he says, be appalled, and I'm uh, sorry, this is Jeremiah chapter two, verses 12 through 13. He says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And, G- and then Jeremiah, it says, uh, 17, verse 13, it says, O Lord, the hope of all Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written uh, in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Ezekiel says the same thing about him being the living water. And And when he does, he's referencing Israel. He's referencing the Samaritans. And so it was not a mistake that when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, he uses the exact vocabulary of him being God, him being the living water. He's giving her proof of who he is. He's not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. And he wants to gift her. He wants to gift us himself who is the living water. And Jesus is also referencing something that's spoken again in the book of Revelation. Um, And it's Revelation chapter seven, verse 17. For the lamb, speaking of Jesus, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, talking about our shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What an amazing hope, what an amazing promise that we will, we in Christ receive living water and he wipes away every one of our tears from our eyes. I think that's an amazing passage of scripture for today because there's so much confusion out there of what's going on. What is happening? Why am I held up inside of my house? How come all of my summer plans are canceled? How come I don't know when the next time is that I'm gonna be able to go to the grocery store? And when I go to the grocery store, is any of the product that I want gonna be there? Starbucks had just come into Punjab within the past couple of years. We had five shops. Are any of them gonna exist anymore? Or are they all gonna be gone? Is the mall gonna be shut down for the remainder of this year? Like all of the things that we normally do, they could be so disrupted that they don't exist for a couple of years anymore. Things that we got in the routine of doing could be gone. And what does that do but make us sad, frustrated, what? Angry. Angry. Makes us want to cry. Makes us. I haven't thought that far in all honesty. <laughs> happy, happy kids. That. Kids, kids 
are happy because they, they don't get to do anything. They just go and wear their pajamas every single day. Oh, everybody's a homeschooler? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> but the reality is, is those are some of the scary things that are going on in the world around us that our routines are already disrupted and they could be disrupted from here on out. And that throws us off. And yet Revelation 7.17 says, Jesus gives us living water and he wipes away every one of our tears. The beautiful thing is, is that Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, he identifies with who he is. The gift of Jesus as the living water is, he also identifies with us. That's the beauty of who Jesus is. Is there anything else that you guys get from that living water? Anything else that really stands out to you through talking about living water? Or any of the other stuff that we've talked about so far? All you remember is water. <laughs> All right, so next he knows me. He knows who I am. And as I was already pointing out earlier, he knew this woman. He knew that she had five husbands and the person she lived with right now wasn't hers. He, he knows the most intimate details of her life. And that is absolutely incredibly amazing to me to think that Things that I think I've done in secret, he still knows. Mm -hmm. Things that I do in public, he knows my, um, my reason for doing it. He knows the methodology of whether I'm trying to manipulate a situation or not. Mm -hmm. Like he knows my heart. It's the reason that I'm uh, you know, preaching this message of hope and eternal life of Jesus because I want somebody to write a book about me so that that way one day I become famous, so that that way I have blogs and I have um, um, uh, uh, Instagram fame or Facebook fame or like what is my real purpose of proclaiming Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Is it because I truly edify him or is it because I'm so egotistical that I want to gain fame? Like he knows my heart. He knows that the reason I go to work every day is because I'm wanting to earn a paycheck. But what about when that paycheck becomes my idol or it becomes my God that I want to earn more than I need so that that way I can live in lush luxury and look down my nose at other people. He knows that too. Look he knows me. Nose. I think it's impossible. You can't look down your nose. I you can't can. look down my nose. I look down my nose like this. So what kind of reputation? Can we, that in mirror? No. We, we cannot lose sight of Christ's knowing us. Mm -hmm. And so what does this say about you and I? What does this say about us? That he knows us. He's a sucker. No. no. He's omnipotent and omnipresent and... Omni omnipotent, omnipresent and... Oh, crap. got the last word. There are multiple words. There are. It, I can't remember. It starts with an E. E. But what does it, it speak to you and your heart about who God is to you? Like, if he knows all this about you, what does that mean? It means he cares about us. He cares enough to know about each individual person. In sure. World. Yeah, he, he, he cares about us. Um, I, I, I wrote down here... Uh, that when do you see in the passage of scripture that Blair read today, where does Jesus yell at the woman? Never. Never. When does he condemn her? 
doesn't. When does he say, I can't believe you had five husbands, and he yeah, elevates his voice and goes, you should have never had 500 husbands. What is wrong with you, woman? When does he do that? Never. never. He doesn't do that, does he? No. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. He loved her. He knew about her. He knew about her sin. He still offered to give her a living water. He still cared for her enough to talk to her, to break cultural divides, to break racism, and to break all of the other things that were hidden cultural sensitive topics. And instead of being politically correct in this situation, he says, I care about you, lady, so much that I know you've had five husbands. I know the man you live with right now is not your own. And I want to give you living water. And she says, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> not because he's yelling at her or he's condemning her or because he's looking down his nose at her. But because he cares enough for her to expose the things in her life that needed to be exposed so that, that way she would turn from them and come to the living water. So many times we fear being prayed. Have you ever been, let me, let me word it like this. Have you been, ever been afraid to go in an altar service or go forward and have somebody pray for you because you were afraid that God would tell the person that was praying for you your sin that you didn't want to be found out? Like this person could get a word of knowledge and they'll know everything about me if God really reveals it to them. So I'm not going to go up and get prayed for. No, no. I've never felt that way. I've I, 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 I had times where I felt like I wanted to go up and then I just didn't and prayed by myself and it was fine. Okay. But I, I've talked with numerous people that have been afraid. They'd be like, they, they've said these words to me. I wanted you to pray for me, but I was afraid you would find out what was, what my heart was really like. Sure. And I'm like, but I don't have that kind of power. <clears throat> well, but God could reveal it to you. He could, but when he's revealing it to me, if he reveals it to me, he's not exposing that information to me so that that way I look badly upon you or condemn you. He's, in, he, he's, he's showing how invested he is in you, in me, in order to expose that sin so that that way we can correct it in our lives and be obedient unto him, right? Because we, we all go through things. Yeah. We all have <clears throat> matters of sins of our heart. <clears throat> that it's a daily, a daily repentance. It's a daily of coming to the cross yeah. to ask for forgiveness of, of what we've done. Because, I mean, a day brings a whole nother new opportunity. Yeah. Sometimes our thoughts at night before we even go to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We may have to repent of those. Sure. Of those thoughts. Sure. I mean, it's daily. It is daily. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with this in mind of him knowing me, but knowing that he's not condemning me whenever I bring my sins to him or whenever I'm praying to him, but he's lovingly wrapping his arms around me, giving me love, joy, peace. When he's giving me the hope that I need, these are all gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's also giving me living water. And so if the things that are important for living water are 70 percent of our body give or take needs water in order to survive what does that mean about our lives when it comes to jesus that we need jesus all the more that we need jesus all the more mm-hmm. or or what about um you know we were talking about water clean cleanses us mm-hmm. 
that we don't even necessarily need soap in order to be cleansed. And so what about the living water? It can cleanse us of our impurities, right? Yeah. Or what about the fact that we were talking about that crops grow because of the living water? And Mallory said, well, does that work for us? Will we grow bigger as a result? Well, not in stature, but we can grow in wisdom with the living water as we're continually coming to the living water and he gives us the, what were you saying, nutrients and the nutrients, yeah. And the, and the, the, the particles that we need inside of us so that way we grow closer to him and grow stronger in Christ and grow wiser, right? So the living water is a gift and he knows us and that exposure of him knowing us actually draws us closer to him. It doesn't cause us to want to, well, it does cause us to want to run away. I mean, Adam and Eve were a prime example of that, right? When they sinned, they went and hid themselves and then they tried to clothe themselves. And instead, Jesus doesn't want us to be hidden. He wants us to be unified. He doesn't want us to clothe ourselves. He wants to clothe us. And this is the beauty of him knowing us. He wants us to walk around exposed. He does want us to walk around exposed, not in stature, like um, we're not, you know, talking about taking our clothes off and walking out in public, but just in regards of the fact that in his presence, we are truly all exposed of everything that we think, imagine, do, and he wants us to be like that, and yet he wants to wrap his arms around us and love us, and he wants to, as water fills every part of of a vessel, a cup, He wants to completely fill our lives so that we're completely consumed with him. Not because he's condemning us, but because he loves us. Right? Mm -hmm. Anything else about him knowing us? What always got me as a a young child, I, I asked Christ Jesus into my heart at the age of eight. And it says here, and you can find it. Luke 12, 7, but even the very hairs of your hair head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Mm. I have a lot of hair. <laughs> and I would sit there as a child and try to count all my hairs. And I thought, how in the world does God know how many hairs are on my head? You know, like even if I shaved my head bald, would he still know how many hairs are still on my hair? Um, you know, on the top of my head. And not only that, he valued me more than the sparrows. That's what you can do through a You know, there's that old song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Yeah. And I was like, well, but he loves me more yeah. than the sparrow. And the sparrow is always clothed. The sparrow is always taken care of. There's worms for the sparrows to go out and get in the morning. And during, you know, during the day. Their coat is always pretty. Mm. And he knows, he knows my inner being. He knows everything within me. God knows. Who knows? God knows. So he clothes the sparrows. He feeds the sparrows. He provides water for the sparrows. And how much more does he love me than he does the sparrow? Right. (laughs) Things that I think that I need or don't need, God's there. God always knows. God, he always knows. Yeah. He does. He always knows. Is there anything else? I mean, God knows you. knows everything about you. Is that scary? Does that make you joyful? <laughs> Thank goodness he knows that. Now I don't have to tell him. 
<laughs> I used to think that at one time. But then I learned eventually that if you tell him, like, he already knows everything, but if, uh, we're talking to her. He already knows everything, but if you tell him, it, it pleases him more because he knows that you're trusting him with the things you've done secretly, even mm-hmm. though you know he knows everything you've done wrong or are doing wrong. Or right. You, or right. <clears throat> if you, if we don't say anything, it's just like not even really a relationship. It's just him. He knows who we are and he wants to be with us, but we are like, eh, he already knows everything, so I don't have to tell him anything. But he wants it to be more reciprocal, like, hey, what'd you do today? Sure. How, how, what good things did you do today? What's wrong? Why, sure. Why are you down like this? Sure. What wrong have you done today? Yeah. Like, he already knows everything. Like, certain parents can, a lot of parents can tell whenever their kid's lying or having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to help their, help them and talk to them about it, even though they already know what's wrong. Yeah. That's what God wants to do with us. Is he wants to be our <laughs> heavenly father and talk to us. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. come a good relationship with us yeah that way we grow stronger in him yeah absolutely well i mean just like the fact that uh you're homeschooled and i see as your father i see almost everything you do every day especially during curfew while i'm here all the time right i'm here 24 7 so i can't leave but i see everything you do does that mean that our conversation is cut off and we don't have anything to talk about no because you still tell me about the things that you're doing, right? Even mm-hmm. though I can see. Yeah. And you can walk over and you can see what I'm reading on my iPad. Or you can come over. You guys all know the codes to my devices. And you can see, is he listening to a book right now? Is he listening to NPR right now? Is he listening to... I mean, you can. not saying that you do. But we all have these conversations. Because we see everything that there is. But we also still want to have that relationship with each other. Like Xavier's saying. And then the third thing, uh, is there anything else to elaborate on all that? And then the third thing is, is we've got Messiah. What does Messiah mean? We've talked about this before. Messiah? Messiah. Yeshu Messiah. What does Messiah mean? It means the Heavenly Father. No. Anointed one. Anointed one. (laughs) And so it's sometimes... uh, 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 when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus the Messiah. Um, that is what the actual translation is. And Jesus announces in the, the 26th verse of what we just read today, uh, the, the woman said in, in chapter or verse 25 of John chapter 4, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And in verse 26, Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. Jesus proclaims this to uh, the woman at the well. He says, that's me. I'm the anointed one. I'm the one that was talked about as Messiah in the book of Isaiah, um, verse, 20, uh, verse 53. And so I just wanted to um, uh, reference that. And Xavier, if you'll go to Isaiah 53, I wanted to talk about what it says of Messiah or of the Christ. And uh, so Isaiah 53, and just read um, the first like seven verses is great. Okay. 
Who hath believed our report, and whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was buried for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we are like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers, shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, according to Isaiah 53, he was going to have no form of majesty. He was not desirable. He was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrow and of grief. He was afflicted. He was stricken. And these are all things that we see that lead up to the celebration that we had on Friday, Good Friday, before Jesus was even put on the cross. All of these things were done to him. He Mm -hmm. suffered tremendous sufferings as Messiah. And why did he do it? Because he bears our griefs. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. His chastisement brought us peace and his wounds brought us healing or bring us healing. The cross or Good Friday um, brought us salvation. Suffering brought us salvation. His suffering is our Easter. Mm -hmm. And I know today we're celebrating his resurrection and that he is alive today. Yet, I want to also look at the fact that why do we think that if he, who is God, suffered and died, why would he remove us from all pain? Why would he take away all sufferings? Why would he end earthquakes or famines or plagues when even he himself suffered? That's the kind of question that a lot of people are asking today. Why me? Why God? Why this plague? Why, is my, uh, why am I afraid of COVID-19? Why, 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 why? And I want to kind of spin that question a little bit and talk about the fact that Easter isn't a reminder only of why God would allow those things to happen because he allowed them to happen to his own son. Mm-hmm. That kind of answers that question of why. Yeah. But Easter also is, if Jesus is the overcomer of suffering, if Jesus is the overcomer of pain, if Jesus is an overcomer of disappointment, if Jesus is an overcomer of death, hell, and the grave, then through him and by him, we too are more than conquerors. We, with him as our shield and our buckler, as the old King James says, him, he is the one that God sees. He's our representative of when we sin, if we believe on him, 
then he will grant us eternal life, as it says in John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him or on him. Jesus as Messiah is a reminder of suffering as a reality. And if we talk about the sufferings that we go through, we're not always looking for somebody, and this is something that I'm always constantly reminded of because I am guilty, guilty, guilty of always trying to find a way to fix the problem. But when I am being told of a suffering or a pain by my children or by my wife, they're not looking for an answer. Sometimes you guys are just looking for a listening ear, right? You just want to be heard. Yeah. And we have one. Uh, we have our Savior, our God, our Master, and our King, who endured all these sufferings even greater than anything that we've ever endured. And He understands. That's what Easter is. It's coming to the one who understands us at the foot of the cross and laying our burdens down and being raised to new life as he was resurrected and being more than conquerors. Yeah. The crazy thing about it is he was also still sinless on, on top of it all. Yeah. Like, he understands all the sins we've gone through and all the dumb stuff we do, <laughs> yet he never had to do it. Right. He was still sinless and spotless. And he took it all on top of himself and died for us. Yeah. With no sin. And he understands when we sin and why we do it. But he never had to do it. Right. To understand. Right. He just does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely amazing how good he is to us. And that's what, it reminds me of that passage of scripture where Jesus is talking about no one is good except for the Father. Mm. He is good. Is there anything else about him being Messiah that needs to be elaborated on, brought up this morning? I wish that all would know that he is Master and Savior. And yet I know that we, we don't always choose to listen to him like we were reading in Jeremiah chapter 3 of how Israel was where she went around and she went to every high place and under every tree and I expected at that point that she would then return to me and she didn't I know that there are days and those uh, uh, that we come across people that that that's exactly the place that they're in that they're running around does that mean that we go out and we condemn them because we know the Messiah no. Or does that mean we love them where they are and continue to pray for them and continue to entrust them with tasks or, or different things like that? I mean, what if we have a coworker or a fellow student that is totally not a Christian? Is it then that we just say, oh, I, I don't have anything to do with that person because no. We like Jesus who also had Judas in his clan of disciples we trust and trust them still 
And even though we go to the cross as a result, or we are nailed on the cross as a result, we still trust that God has all power and strength and authority to lead us. Mm-hmm. I remember one more thing. You remember one more thing? Yeah. In verses 21 through 24, well, before that, 19 through 24, yeah. the woman says that he's a prophet, and our fathers worshipped on the mountain, and Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Yeah. But Jesus says, the hour cometh soon. Well, not soon, but it says the hour is coming whenever we don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship the Father. Yeah. We can be anywhere and still worship God. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are, if you're Jewish or non-Jewish. Yeah. You can still worship the Father. Yeah. Because that hour is coming. Yeah. Through Him. So do you need a building in order to worship God? No. You just need yourself and God. You don't even... You can be anywhere. You can be in the bathroom, shower. Yeah. You can be on the street, walking. Yeah. You can be in curfew in your house and going out of your mind, but still <laughs> worship God because we no longer need to worship him in Jerusalem or at the temple. Yeah. We can worship him anywhere and everywhere freely. Well, right. Yeah, which, which is so true because I was listening to a, uh, a speaker, obviously, Timothy oh. Keller. Timothy <laughs> Keller. And, uh, and uh, talking about in the Old Testament of the temple, the days of the temple, of mm-hmm. when you're coming in to repent of your sins, only the priest went in once a year right. yeah. to, to seek the presence of On Yom God. Kippur, yeah. Yeah, I'm only once a year. And, and I, my mind has just been trying to grapple that, so to say, of now with the, the spotless blood of the Lamb as a sacrifice up on the cross. Yeah. And, and his resurrection yeah. of he is alive. He did that for, yeah. for us to, to have, to, that we could, are, are free to come to him. Right. And to ask. Yeah, and we don't need Lord, a man. Please forgive me. Yeah. He intercedes for us. Correct. Yeah. Because during the times of the temple, it was the priest that interceded for right. man. Right. And the priest could be a perverted man. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so with that, it, he could pervert the rules of the temple and the laws of the temple, but yeah. God won't do that. Right. Jesus won't do that. Right. He'll intercede for us. Right. Jesus is the high priest. Yes. It's a, it's a fair case. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm especially glad that you brought that up of the podcast that you were listening to because I listened to it earlier this week as well, and I was thinking the same thing as Xavier was talking, yeah. and I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because, yeah, it's so true. It's absolutely true. So... He has a gift for us. It's his life. He is the living water. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. He is our master and our Messiah. He he knows us and he cares for us. And he doesn't look at us condemning us when we make mistakes. But instead, he as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we are faithful and just, uh, he will forgive us of all unrighteousness, you know, if we confess our sins. I, I, I messed up the full proper quotation of that, yeah. but that's what it says in essence. And I mean, it's just so beautiful that he is faithful and just, that if we confess our sins, uh, he, will, he will bring us back into righteousness. That is exact. He wants us to be in right standing with him. He doesn't like it when we run around chasing other things, doing what we want that pleases ourselves. He wants us to be with him, 
right? And that's right back to what we were saying when we first started this whole conversation, yeah. right? right? And so that's the beauty of Easter is, is that he draws us in. He died and was raised back to life so that that way we could fully entrust him with everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful Easter Sunday. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you as Xavier was poignantly pointing out. Anywhere, if we're listening to this podcast or if we're in our house on curfew or if we're on lockdown in India or if we're in anywhere in the world today, we can come to you because our body is a temple itself and you dwell with us. And so, Lord, we just want to take a few moments to confess our sins to you today. And we want to proclaim you as Master, Lord, and Messiah. You are the Anointed One, and we trust in you, and we believe in you, and we want to be obedient unto you. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would draw closer to you than ever before, not allowing our sins to prevent us from coming into your throne room of grace but allowing them to be a driver of us coming closer to you than we ever have been before. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Yeshu kanam semante. Amen. Amen.